You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about marvin gay what's going on in the room i have rob you yeah. ben hello and john hi what's going on is the 11th studio album by american soul singer songwriter and producer marvin gay it was released on may 21st 1971 on motown records subsidiary of tamla the genre is soul and from all music review john bush what's going on is not only marvin gay's masterpiece it's the most important and passionate record to come out of soul music, delivered by one of its finest voices, a man finally free to speak his mind, and so move from R&B sex symbol to true recording artist. With what's going on, Gay meditated on what had happened to the American dream of the past as it relates to urban decay, environmental woes, military turbulence, police brutality, unemployment, and pr- poverty. These feelings had been bubbling up between 1967 and 1970, during which he felt increasingly caged by Motown's behind-the-times hit machine and restrained from expressing himself seriously through his music. Finally, late 1970, Gay decided to record a song that Four Tops' Obi Benson had brought him, What's Going On? When Barry Gordon decided not to issue the single, deeming it uncommercial, Gay refused to record any more material until he relented. Confirmed by its tremendous commercial success in nineteen in January 1971, he recorded the rest of the album over 10 days in March, and Motown released it in late May. Besides cementing Marvin Gaye as one of the most important artists in pop music, What's Going On was far and away the best full-length album to issue from the singles-dominated Motown factory, and arguably the best soul album of all time. I could go on and read the rest of this, but let's just talk about the album. What's going on? What do you guys think? It took me 17 years to appreciate this album. <laughs> I'll say. Uh, like I told you guys before we started recording it, I got it at a UCD store in high school, and I listened to it like twice in my car. I thought What's Going On was cool. I thought Mercy, Mercy Me was cool. And, you know, then I probably just got another CD and it, and just went on the pile, and I never really revisited it until this week. And that, I, I like it. That was a mistake. Yeah. That was yeah, a mistake on your part. Yeah. I, I was 16 and dumb. There's probably a new Get Up Kids record album. <laughs> I mean, cool. Real Big Fish was out. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. I think it was about, I want to say it was like 2001. And it's probably earlier than that. But no, it was like 2001. Yeah. Around that time. And I, for some reason, my friend was into Marvin Gaye. 
And I was like, that's interesting. That's really weird. You like hardcore music and all this other stuff. And and then he was like, yeah, check it out, man. It's really good. And I started listening to it and I literally listened to it every day for like a year. Did it get you on the first listen? No, it didn't. It took at least like three listens. And then I was just like hooked. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it like all the time. Uh the flow of the album just like completely blew me away what he was singing about how he was presenting the songs um would and when you skip over like save the children or god is love save the children is is the one song where i feel like there's a bit of, of a weakness in his spokenness like in his spoken word yeah, but at the same time vocals yeah mm-hmm. but at the same time i feel like it's it's a it's a important song for mm-hmm. for the album but it doesn't it does hinder the 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 flow of the album overall the first time right about halfway through the song when the, when he for the first time goes save the babies yeah i burst out laughing and that was not his intent yeah yeah, yeah. he's emotional he's an emotional man on this have you i just when reviewing this and hearing it this time, uh, I did not know that this is has been called a concept album. Oh yeah, like I didn't know that it's basically the the sort of the story of a person coming back from Vietnam. I mean, I knew that was the the sort of the the message of what's going on, but not for the whole album and like having sort of that experience, which is kind of interesting and and the way that because I'd never heard the whole album, the way that the songs flow into each other, like especially the connection of the is it bongos or yeah. Uh, I mean, they're great. Whoever's playing the bongos is great. Oh, that is, that is, sorry. Uh, Oh my goodness. That's Eddie Bongo Brown. (laughs) His middle name is Bongo. (laughs) Did they put Eddie Bongo Brown in a racquetball court for recording those for Mercy, Mercy Me? No, that is. Or is that just a racquetball? Nope, that is a wood block struck by a hard rubber mallet with the most reverb. Okay. And they, and that that's also a theme. It's on multiple songs. It's mm-hmm. I, I just heard it on what's going on when we were listening to it just now. Yeah, but it's a cool sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, in the like snapping sounds. Yeah. Like it's it's a dense. It's like a dense record, but at the same time, totally pleasurable to listen to all the time. I could just talk about this album. I like doing this album back to back with "There's a Riot Going On." Yeah, even like. It, and I thought that, and then I learned about the title, how about yeah. that was like a direct response. I think, yeah, like they have so many similarities and so many differences, but but just the, the similarities from like the personal aspect of like Marvin Gaye and Sly Stone just like needing to process some shit. Yeah. And that shit, if there was a Venn diagram of the shit they were processing, it definitely overlaps a lot. Yeah. You know, they, they had their own things going on. But just like, yeah, early 70s, like Watt riots, just like the civil rights movement starting to slow down a bit. Like there's, there's a there's riot going on, man. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And then musically, too. You know, they're, they're, they're definitely like one's a soul record, one's a funk record. They're both. Sorry, John, I know you like I, you don't like me to say the, uh, that dark. <laughs> the riot go, I mean, riot yeah, dark, there's... but they're both like darker records. Yeah. You know? Yeah. His he. I think what he does differently too on this too is use the those like minor sevenths, major and minor sevenths within uh, the context of like what's going on, which is unheard of for that sort of like Motown sound. He's he's bringing in that element like Isaac Hayes was bringing 
with Hot Buttered Soul, where it's this is serious music. You this know, this is not the Motown sound. This is not Motown put this out exactly. Well, that's why Barry Gordy was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So yeah, so he recorded the song. And he took it to the, the recording of the song is its own cool story. But he recorded the song, took it to Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy hated it, uh, said he wouldn't release it. Marvin Gaye said uh, he wouldn't, re- like you said, you already covered this. He wouldn't, yep. he wouldn't record anymore until they agreed. And then they're at an impasse. Meanwhile, uh, Harry Balk and Barney Ailes of of Motown took a hundred thousand copies of it and just released it without Barry Gordy knowing, and it became the fastest selling single that Motown currently had. So this is in late January, maybe early February. Barry Gordy then approaches Marvin Gaye, says like, okay, (laughs) so we can record the rest of your album. Uh, Do whatever you want musically as long as it's as long as you're done by the end of March. And yeah, March one through ten, he recorded it. Then it's out in May because you got to you got to you got to keep on the tail of that single. Yeah, absolutely. Called his bluff and he. (laughs) <laughs> did it anyway. <laughs> so do you think that uh, Harry Balk and Barney Ailes were reprimanded or given a raise? Uh, with how much it yes. eventually yeah. sold? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Both. Yeah. But I go crazy when I can't find it In the morning be alright, my friend. But soon the light will bring the pain. The pain of a day. I'm high in a friendly sky. I was reading about this record and then all of a sudden I had to take a big detour because what I was reading about just kind of threw out like it was nothing. Like, oh yeah, so at this point Marvin Gaye was trying out for the Detroit Lions. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like the record scratch. <laughs> so then I went down that rabbit hole. It's totally true. It he, is, He yeah. was seriously, well, he wasn't recording anymore for Motown at that point. Yeah. So I guess I'll be a Detroit Lion. Yeah. So he's seriously pursuing this uh He's like hanging out with those guys, working out with them. Uh, he, it says that his his pursuit was abruptly cut short when someone brought up to him like, "Hey, man, if you get injured, it could hurt your career." And it said like that crushed him as yeah. if like he hadn't considered that. Yeah. But he stayed friends with some of those lions, and uh, of the voices that are talking in the room, the laid back voices at the beginning of what's going on. Uh, that's uh, of those voices is Mel Far and Lem Barney uh, of the lions. Yeah. <laughs> So Marvin had a pretty complicated relationship with his father, and uh, a lot of people have uh, kind of extrapolated that his father was a crossdresser, um, which uh, they thought was a bit confusing as a young person, Marvin growing up, and that he had pursued a lot of like man, man seen, things seen as manly, yeah. sort of like over sexual like singing uh, soul music singing soul uh, music very, yeah joining the air force yeah I mean. uh in in trying out for the lions doing doing that sort of uh sports and he would go and he'd like knock on smoky robinson's door in like the middle of just uh, beat him up. Don't, just <laughs> to fight him <laughs> <laughs> come at you smoky <laughs> uh 
when he was training for the Lions in the snow, he would get him and be like, hey, let's go run. Let's, you know, let's come out here with me. And he would do it. But yeah. What a good friend. Yeah. All right, I'll run in the snow with you, Marvin. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was always said that he he was always seeking his father's approval. Even when he was rich, he would, like, show his father all the money he made, you know, like, all his accolades, and his father was uh, pretty stern with, with him throughout like his life. ultimately complicated relationship. Yeah, yeah, very, very complicated, but... It only gets more complicated. I mean, sometimes, though, that brings out the most interesting, like... Like this album, I mean, it brings out something that is deep in and in, in someone's trying to express. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we're listening to say the truth. Yeah. It's a little jarring. Yeah, yeah. it is a bit jarring. Um, you know what he's trying to say. I thought like God is love is a but at least an up tempo. Like God is shift. love is it's, one of my jams too. That was yeah, one really? that was like. Totally into. Not yep. so much on uh, on Holy Holy, but mm. uh, God is Love. I, I yeah. thought was man. He dope. It, it was it was jarring to me when like whatever a person's personal beliefs, uh, it, whatever. But just when this album went full blown Christian soul, I was like, I, I wasn't put off by it, but I was like taken by. It. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know? The the. The one thing, though, that I have to say about that so- song, you know, I mean, Marvin sings about all all these different things. If you're into spirituality song, if you're into, you know, anti-war song, you know, ecology, environmentalism, all these different things. If you're into about making making love, I mean, Marvin, it's he it, it transitions from one song to the other and that God is love. I think that, uh, sorry, I'm getting lost in my words, but essentially what he's saying is like, he's not saying you need to believe, you need to do this, uh, this is... uh, No, he he says that specifically in the song. He's very specific, like, you may not believe in him. Right, (laughs) right, right. That's what I'm saying. But at the same time, he's saying... All he, all he wants is love, you know, and, and so it can tra- transition into, even though he does say, you know, Jesus in the song, I think it, it speaks to whatever religion being like. Most religions believe, you know, if there is a God, then God, you know, equals like a loving. Uh, if God wants something, yeah. he wants us to love each other. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I that like completely resonated with me, um, even though I'm not you know, religious, but I I thought it was really cool, especially in sort of like a Motown setting that he was like willing to, to present that at the same time as, you know, what's going on and, in all those other songs that Mm -hmm. is speaking about inner city, uh, turmoil. Well, I think, you know, those are, those are resonant themes considering, you know, the, the hatred and, and violence that's kind of getting permeated at the time. Yeah. So, you know, Personally and spiritually, it makes sense to say, okay, you know, listener, you'll, there's a merciful God out there, you know, yeah. and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was talking to Anne about it this week too. And she was, she was saying, you know, we really like Kendrick Lamar. Um, and there was like so much that when you're listening to this album, you're listening to, to Pimp a Butterfly, it, it's like, 
it, it, it felt the same, like I kind of felt the same impact I did when I heard this album and what it must have been like uh, at the time to for this album to come out and like really speak to a whole generation of like soul artists. I could see that. In that coming out and speaking to a, a hip hop rap artist uh, in modern terms. That was cool. There's there, there's certain albums like this where I feel like they're this sort of like pivotal album. And sorry, I'm kind of rambling. Where? Just cause I, what? What's the last track on this record? Uh, Inner City Inner Blues. Inner City Blues. Okay. Dope track. So I, I did. I did stop so on good. the right one then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Inner City Blues is kind of interesting about sort of the way they lay down. You know how uh, there's no help for the poor, and then also talking about various issues that ended up being semi appropriate. For Marvin Gaye, you know, I can't pay my taxes. He, uh, I mean, there's two sides to that. One is, you know, being so poor that you can't pay your taxes. And the other side of it is being a tax exile, which is something that he later was in the 80s. He was having tax problems even yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah he got he got with Sly on the, the drug <laughs> train, man. He really overdid it. Yeah. Uh, he moved out to California and... and I can't remember. There was some interview where someone was like, a lot of drugs in California, <laughs> like oh, no. L.A. He he went through a, a rough patch, Marvin Gaye did. Sure. It, 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 like Motown, being with Motown is such a great record label, and they're putting out great stuff, but it's also, it's you know, it's very singles-oriented, not up until this, not album-oriented. Like, is this the first Motown record we've covered? Uh, I think so, and this is on the subsidiary label. I think so. Was what we was made, the, we no, made no, we, 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 no no what we, was we the, hit the temptations yeah temptations yeah okay yeah okay that yeah. one that I wasn't really into yeah but. his voice is stifled a little bit but you know it's something that he has agreed to if you want to be part of this Motown powerhouse that is something that you agree to but like his perspective on that changed especially after so he, he had really good success doing those uh duets with uh tammy terrell mm-hmm. you know they had uh, ain't no mountain high uh ain't nothing like the real thing uh you're all i need to get by great partnership great friends tammy one night collapses in his arms on stage uh they take her to the hospital she's diagnosed with a brain tumor she dies shortly later at like 24 and Marvin Gaye's crushed, you know, like he, he's depressed. He's not making the music. It's when he like, starts getting more into the drugs. He moves. He grows the, his I'm a sad guy now beard. And he wants more creative control with his artistic output. He's he's an emotional guy and he's got stuff to say. And what's going on? Like, it, yeah, it's a it's about a, a Vietnam soldier coming home. And that's kind of like how he's siphoning it because it's about that. But he's this is kind of like a lot of personal stuff that he has going on all coming to a head. Yeah. Yeah. Including his brother coming uh, or right coming right. home from Vietnam. So his brother was like the proxy for the character yeah. of because uh, there were, I was like letters that his brother was sending him yeah. from Vietnam that yeah. were the basis of yeah. some of the stories that are addressed here. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting, um, the background. But at the same time, I, yeah, just makes the album stronger, that it much does. stronger. Having the backstory, it can stand apart or it could have the backstory. And just with the backstory, yeah, yeah. it really uh, solidifies this sort of like uh, moving soul in, with Isaac Hayes in, the, in this like serious direction. 
Absolutely. Cool. Pretty quiet over there, Robbie. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm simply just, enjoying the tunes in my headphones. Yeah, inner, inner city blues make me want to holler. Um, man, that's always been a, a, you just a, skip fa- to that one? a yeah favorite of mine. Um, basically, because it's it is a bit of a like a minimal. It's got a real minimal vibe to it. Oh, it's like, got a funky ass baseline. Yeah, but it doesn't have those crests and peaks like. Uh, I don't know. It's just got a nice groove that goes through the entire thing. So good. Who's the backing band on this? Wasn't Funk Brothers? Was it, funk well, Brothers. There, there were some Funk Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he 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 basically cherry picked his favorite Funk Brothers and then supplemented them with other people. He I knew. mean, there were two thousand Funk Brothers. So <laughs> he, uh, the Funk Brothers he uses uh, Eddie Bongo Brown. Yeah. Uh, he uses bassist Bob Babbitt. Nice. Uh, Jack Jashford Ashford. <laughs> he just picked them by their names. Yeah. <laughs> names don't price. They named it. And yeah. James Jameson. <laughs> They're all alliterative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to kind of go on what I was saying before, uh, reviewer Greg Cott described the album as Soul Music's first art album, inner city response to the Celtic mysticism of Van Morrison's Astral Weeks, psychedelic pops uh, of the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, and Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited basically solidified you know this is this is it now this is the high point of of this uh, type of music Notes to any 16-year-olds out there, if you listen to it twice in your car, you might as well listen to it that third time, because apparently <laughs> three times is what it takes for this album to stick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say there is one, one thing about this album that, for me initially, shied me away, and it was the almost repetitive sounding songs. Yeah. It's a song cycle. Yeah. But the it's first a concept record, the first themes. Yeah. But you can have a concept that all the songs look at, you know, SF sorrow and, and it, all, the, all the songs are, are different. You don't have to have them, uh, so aligned within this, but at the same time, when I listen to it over and over again, I, you pick up on nuances within each song, um, that also you found interesting or, mm-hmm. or differences. Sometimes Marvin's singing back up with himself. Sometimes it's just him. Oh, we didn't even yeah. talk about the double vocal tracking. Yeah. Which was accidental, but way dope. Yeah. And I think later became sort of a signature. Yeah. Sort of yeah. his layered vocals. Yeah. There's a, I, I'd heard, how many times have you heard the song? What's going on? Like dozens. <laughs> uh, it wasn't until I read that, that my ears actually, picked up on that there's two lead vocals going on you know they're both marvin but it's not like it's not like a uh you know like sometimes like uh it's not harmony with himself right right and sometimes you know in the studio you'll you'll record a vocal take twice and you'll try to do it the same way both times and just like to try to thicken it you know and it doesn't sound like something like that out of sync it's marvin Gaye singing two separate leads to the same song like i'm gonna try it this way 
and I'm also going to try it this way. And they send him to the engineers. He's like, like pick the best one. And I don't know what the engineers were on, but like, oh, you mean stack them? <laughs> and so they just stack them. And, and it's really cool with both of them. So good. Yeah. It's the, the way that they mix it and they drop out uh, where it needs to be. And like they mix it perfectly. Yeah. So, so when there are two vocals, when there need to be, there are. When there doesn't need to be, there aren't. Yeah. It, it comes in and out. It's so good. Yeah, some of the shifts, too, within the songs, the sort of, like, abrupt cutoffs, I, I thought were a bit jarring at first, and then after a while, I, I appreciated uh, a bit more. Like the hard cut from God is Love into Mercy yep. versus Me. Yeah, I noticed that, yep. and I was like, okay. And I think there's definitely, like... You know the hits from this album. You know Mercy Mercy's Me. You know What's Going On. You know Inner City Blues. But I think that the radio versions cut portions of the songs. Like, I never knew that at the end of Mercy Mercy Me, there's kind of a, like, an operatic outro. That's that's a radio fade out right there. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I really liked it. Like, I I enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was an interesting thing to do at the end of that song. But I'd never heard it before. Yeah. I also like that the end of Inner City Blues ends with kind of a what's going on reprise. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like, if you flip the record back over, yeah. it comes right back in. I like that shit. I love it. What do you think? Uh, positive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, this time around I enjoyed the record. <laughs> was this the third time, Rob? Uh, this was the third time. There you go. That's, <laughs> what, it, that's what it takes. Yeah, I, How it, many it, licks it, does it take to get to the center of this album? Three. Three, three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, <clears throat> and after reading up like uh, how my, my initial beef was like, this shit does sound very similar to the last song to the last song. But like upon listening more to the lyrics and knowing that it is a conceptual thing, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Absolutely positive. Cool. Positive. Yeah. Three, three, three times. Yeah. Three I times. Can I emphasize this enough? <laughs> Well, you can listen to it more than that. It just right, right. <laughs> but don't, don't, don't make a decision before three. Okay, okay. I get it. Yeah, this was my first time hearing the whole album, and I liked it. Um, I mean, probably because I knew the, the, the hits, and I could find sort of interesting things that linked the songs that I didn't know into it. And I think that it's interesting as a, as a concept. Uh, and so there's a lot going on in this album, and it's all, it's all pretty good stuff. Yeah. I... I can't speak highly enough of this album. This album has meant a lot to me. Um, I don't know. There's just something with it that just re- kept uh, resonating, kept me coming back. Uh, uh, kind of like some of those jazz albums or, or something where you just dig in and you you get a real sense of, you know, a, a personality and what, what someone just is really cares about um, within within an album. I think that's cool. Uh, I didn't even talk about too. The cover is is tight. It's it's tough. Uh, it's, the it's really cool. leather. Yeah. yeah, he's got a leather jacket, um, pop collar. And he's got yeah that kind of beard, uh, and then the 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 lettering on what's going on, Marvin Gaye. It's it's got that sort of a calligraphy script. It's it's a good cover. It it's is cool. really good. Um, and if you see, uh, there is a full length picture of him in that coat, and it's like a duster it's like a full-length <laughs> nice. leather duster it's awesome he's like in the rain yeah heck yeah Some uh detroit lions in the background yeah. <laughs> eating crepes yeah <laughs> <Being tough. laughs> 
trying to figure out what we're talking about next. Apparently, that studio was stocked to the gills with uh, weed and scotch. Oh yeah, they were they were high as shit for ten straight days recording uh, the rest of that but record. Classy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a classic kind of high, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we'll be talking about the Yes album by Yes. Yes. All right. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. 